Hey everybody, today on the Multiply Podcast, we're talking about the questions that can change a person's life. Check it out. Hey everybody, welcome back or welcome to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. And my name is David. We are currently recording this in an undisclosed location off-site. Yes, very mysterious and uh, somewhat controversial. Yeah, we're not going to tell you where, but it could have palm trees, could have igloos. Yes, or it could be in between that. (laughs) Could Could have have moon craters, or it could have underground lava pits. Ooh. Yeah. Very exciting. Or we're sitting in the church sanctuary (laughs) recording through the sound system. Give it away, why don't you? (laughs) Um, If it sounds a little different, it's just because we are recording somewhere different, but it's the same two guys talking about the same two things, leadership and discipleship, and we're we're happy to be with you. It's March. We've made it through February. We've survived. Actually, relatively mild winter in Syracuse, knock on wood. We had a day yesterday that... It was, it was 70 degrees. It was unbelievable. We, we were out walking our dogs. We ran yep. into each other. Yep. I was appropriately wearing a windbreaker, but Jared was really embracing the moment. I had his just a tank tankini, top. Or tank, <laughs> is a tank, it looked like a tankini on you. <laughs> That's because I'm still carrying some holiday weight. Speaking of holiday weight, I yeah, think let's, our friends let's give, are... Let's give an update here. ...are waiting anxiously for the update on Well, the here's annual, the good news. Before you loss. say anything... We should tell the people that you and I are in first and second place. And I don't think we need to go any further and say who's in first and second. <laughs> but let's just say out of the four people competing, you and I are number one, number two. We are. That so. is accurate. Um, a little different than last year. If our, if our listeners remember last year, I <laughs> We were I the was, bottom two. Yeah, <laughs> we were the bottom. But so far, so good. So we started on February 7th. And actually, today is March 7th that we're recording this. So it's been one month exactly. And in that time, are we going to do just percentages here, body weight? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Give him percentage. In last place, I don't even want to say his name because he didn't really agree to this, but in last place, our friend, we'll call him Jay Amaya, uh, <laughs> he is up 1.4% of his body he's doing, weight. He's doing great. Going he's, in the wrong he's direction. He's been gaining a lot of muscle. In third place, our friend Mark, who won this last year, is down 2.3%. It's yep. respectable. That's about five pounds. And we've been sabotaging him intentionally, so yes. it's been working well. He doesn't know that we've just been putting like a ton of sugar on weight, top of his salad. Weight gain powder in his He drinks. thinks it's Parmesan cheese and it's just <laughs> sugar. <laughs> it is bizarre that he can't tell the difference in flavor. Uh, in second place, as previously hinted at, is Jared. 2.8%. Not bad. Wow. You want to own up to your bad night this past week? Though? Yeah, I had some. I had some chocolate chip cookies this Define week. Define some. Uh, four. <laughs> <laughs> what size? They were pretty good size. I'm not gonna lie to you. Four. I went wild. I blacked out. The only reason I'm not 375 pounds is that I don't actually love dessert. Oh my gosh, I love it. And not to toot my own horn or pat myself on the back. Well, sounds like you are, but go ahead. Five point three percent. Wow, you're almost double me. Let's just say when it comes to actual poundage, I've lost more than the three of you combined, especially when you factor in Jeremiah's added weight. But, That's true. Um, you're doing great. Strong start, down about 13 pounds in a month, but I have about 130 to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, the other thing we should note is, um, you know, we've all been exercising, but I think your body 
has a real inability to put on any sort of muscle. So I think your body's going straight to fat burning, what and the I rest of ours, we're really in the muscle building what phase. What have I told you about talking about my body in public? <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my oldest daughter is getting ready for a fitness test. She has to pass because she's an eighth grader, but she was invited to play JV lacrosse, and so she has to pass this test. And so it's motivated me to go to the gym a little more with her. So anyway, um, if I could keep this pace up, I would be shocked. Most likely I will not, but off yep. to a good start. That's where so, it stands. And hope you guys are all doing well with whatever sort of resolutions and decisions you've made to move towards health but this is where we are at and we know you wanted that update so (laughs) yes now onto the onto the important stuff we are excited about the conversation today and uh, what we're going to be talking about and actually this episode and our next episode are going to be kind of connected so a little teaser um, if you want listen to today I would encourage you to continue listening next week because they're going to be connected although different topics Um, and recently um, Dave and I have been talking a lot about discipleship um, in our church, discipleship in our personal lives, and how do we help people learn how to make disciples well? Um, and it's not an easy thing. We're still learning so much. And one of the things that we started talking about is this idea that in the life of discipling someone, there's kind of these phases that you go through, right? So the f- initial phase, oftentimes, it doesn't always work like this, but oftentimes is that kind of the meet and greet. It's that finding that person, you know, so maybe they, they're a coworker and you're just starting to kind of have initial conversations or maybe someone walks into your church building or they're your neighbor, right? And it's that very initial, like, you're intentionally just going, all right, how do I start engaging a relationship with this person? And then you kind of as you progress, hopefully, in that disciple-making, there's this middle phase, right, where it's maybe that now they've kind of put their faith in Christ and you're trying to help build them spiritually. And then the last phase, the third phase, is kind of now you're helping send them out and they're really starting to engage in mission. So where they're going now and, and making disciples. So we started talking about this process, and one of the things that we realized is there are questions along the way that every disciple-maker needs to ask. And, in fact, these are questions that if we ask them right and ask them well, they can help change a person's life yeah. throughout the process. So today we wanted to talk about that a little bit, the questions that can change a person's life. And it's amazing. If you study the Gospels, I don't have this the number in front of me, but I've read it before, the number of questions that Jesus asked people that, you know, Jesus is the son of God. He is God. He, he knows all. He's not asking questions because he's lacking information. He's asking questions because for Jesus, they were a helpful teaching tool and a helpful discipleship tool. And the, the, the right question at the right time does have the power to change people's lives. Yeah. And so, yeah, as you're saying, this sort of when we're discipling somebody to Jesus, what are the questions? When we're discipling somebody in Jesus, what are the questions? But then when we are trying to help that person do the same for others, what are those questions? So right. that's the outline of our time in this conversation. And so let's start with sort of what we might call stage one of discipleship, which is discipling them to Jesus or just connecting with them initially, building gospel friendship. Um, when you first meet somebody, there's some obvious questions you might ask right away, but what does that first conversation look like for you, Jared? What are you, what are you trying to learn about that person? What's your strategy, so to speak? And obviously, I just want to say up front, this is more than like an artificial strategy to get something out of it. This is, should be flowing out of the heart this of is life. genuine love for right. other people who are created in God's image. Yeah, yeah. but it does have intentionality to it, right? right? So, I mean, the first, the, before I even get into questions, the first thing I would say is I think the number one factor 
to having successful meeting uh, greetings and, and times like this is authenticity, mm. which means everybody's a little different. Like you can't try to be, you got to be yourself because people pick up on that. And, and I think authenticity now more than ever is a highly held value for people. Um, we've got enough politicians and people that we look and say, that's not real. They're not. That, that. So someone that comes in with an authentic presence is big. Um, and the next thing I would say is, how do you make these things successful is a real desire to, um, to know that person and be actually excited about knowing who they are. So, um, you know, obviously the initial question is, hey, what's your name? <laughs> well, you would think, but there's a lot of times that I've had conversations with people and it's, maybe this is more like if I'm sitting next to somebody in the airport and you just kind of jump right into a conversation and then there's been times where it's the end of the conversation yeah. as we're leaving. Like, by the way, what's your name? That's true. So I, it is, you know, and, and not just asking, but like, you know, there's lots of different techniques on remembering people's names. And I, I'm as a pastor of a church where we're getting to the point where we're big enough where maybe not everybody would expect me to know their name the second or third time they come. When I do remember a name, the impact of that, and I'm not just guessing because people have told me later, it makes a remarkable difference. Yeah. And so um, I know we're not all great at this. Some are really good. Some really are terrible at I it. I am really bad yeah, at this. Yeah, I was trying not to drag you into this. but No, I I am. I do, I do it too, though. I'll meet somebody. I'll ask, what's your name? And then I'll walk away, and I after like a ten, like even like a five-minute conversation, I'm going, oh, my goodness, what was their name? So sometimes at the end of a conversation, I'll just say, hey, one more time. You know, can you tell me your name just one more time? Yeah. And, and then, you know, people say use their name in conversation, you know, right. the name association game. You know, Michael Scott is a great example of how to do that. Um, right. from, I, oh. I feel like for me, I've got so much wisdom up there that when a name comes in, it's hard to keep it. You know what I mean? There's so much stuff happening in my brain. Just a lot of great stuff. So I've got to figure out how do I make more room, you yeah. know? Any thoughts? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. no. Yeah, you're right, though. I'm terrible at this. I think this is something that you're good at, which is, is a huge win. So, sorry to interrupt, but, yeah, what's your name? Yeah, so what's your name? Um, I think the biggest thing with these questions, like ideas of what's your name, um, obviously, depending on the context, where are you from, those type the the whole idea of this initial conversation is you want to learn something about the identity of that person. Yeah, you know you care about them. You're showing that hey, I care about you. I want to learn something about you, and I think that's those are some of the keys. And depending on the person, the situation, the questions may look a little different, but that's kind of the initial vibe. Yeah, when when we would um, go on overseas mission trips, we would always prep our students for conversations and we would use this acronym uh, FROM, F-R-O-M, which is basically ask them where they're from. And the F stood for family. And so to me, that's one of the things I'm always kind of asking about initially. Um, tell me a little bit about your family, especially if they're, you know, if they have children. Tell me about your kids. And and, and often the areas of life that we have in common with other people is the best place to steer the conversation. So if I see that they have young children or, or kids my children's age, I'll start asking them, how old are they? Where do they go to school? What do they like to do? What are they interested in? And a big part of what I'm trying to do in the initial conversation is get them to share information that is not threatening or, you know, intrusive, but just the sort of information that you would share when you meet someone for the first time, right? Wanting to learn a little bit more about their family. And then the whole time looking for opportunities to ask a secondary question 
that gives them the opportunity to be the expert in the conversation. So, for example, they might say, um, yeah, this is what I do for work. I'm an engineer in this area of whatever. And then I'll say, that's really interesting. How did you get into that? Or tell me a little bit, what does your day look like? And do you do different things all the time? Are you in an office? Are you traveling around? And just like give them the opportunity. It's very easy for people who are even shy to talk about themselves in this sense of like what they do because they're having to explain it all the time. So F is family. R is recreation, which basically just stands for what do you do for fun? Um, what do you guys like to do? What do you enjoy? Hey, I see you're wearing a Yankee hat. Are you a Yankee fan? You know, what's your, who's your favorite player? How did you become a fan? The mm. O stands for occupation, which is actually often for me comes a little earlier in the conversation. What do you do? Um, and then M is, we would say it stood for memories, which you can't do that initially because you don't have shared memories yet. But as you begin to connect with them in the future, right. it's like, hey, so good to see you again. Hey, last time I saw you, I remember you said this, Yep. right? Which also means a lot. So that's just something that people, when you're trying to make conversation, um, a little acronym that sometimes actually runs through my head still to this day. Yeah, that's good. And you said something in there that I think is really valuable, which you talked about having a uh, asking follow-up questions to the initial question answer to your first question and I think that's like that's that second level of engagement of showing interest because um, I don't know about you but I've had conversations with people and it's almost as if they have a rehearsed set of questions that they're trying to get through yeah (laughs) you're not listening they're just moving through their exactly yeah and um and so people pick up on that so if you're really trying to show the idea that I'm interested in you and your identity asking a second level question is huge because what do you do for work? Oh, I'm an engineer. Wow, tell me about that. Like it actually shows that number one, you listened to the first one and you actually cared about what their answer was. Or yeah, I have two daughters. Oh, what are their ages? What you know what I mean? So that's that's like I think that's ideal and that should be a goal because otherwise it very much can be perceived as you're just trying to like go through the motions. Yeah. And I think one of the things I try to do is take my cues from them as far as how much they reveal informing how much I then reveal about my family. Mm. Um, Only in the sense that, like, if they say a lot, then I feel comfortable to open up more. If they're very kind of, like, short and to the point, then I'm not going to overwhelm them with information about, you know, if I'm like, you know, what are your your children into? Uh, Well, they're into sports and video games. Like, I'm not going to then spend the next five minutes talking about my daughter playing soccer, right? Right. Um, but even that statement would offer the opportunity for a follow-up question. What, what sort of sports do they play? And yep. do you play video games with them? And are you on Fortnite? And would you like to join Jared and I later in a trio? That's right. Know, stuff yeah. like that. It sounds like you've actually had this conversation. So the, so the the two things I'm looking for is opportunities to make them, and I think we might have said this in a previous episode, make them the expert in the yep. conversation so that they feel like you know they're speaking with confidence and helping me learn something. Or making them, um, and this is a weird word to use, but I'll explain it, the evangelist in the conversation. Because an evangelist basically is someone who has good news to share, mm. something, sharing about something that you love. Yep. And so when I find, when I learn something about somebody that they love something, like they're really passionate about smoking meat or they're really passionate about working on cars, like I like to ask a simple question like this, what do you love about that? Yeah. What do you enjoy most about that? And then just let them go because yep. often at that point they can really talk. And if they show you a picture of the thing they love, you really, you yeah. really got a winner and there. If they give you a sample of the smoked. Now we're talking. Camp, yes, you got a best friend for life. Yeah. One other rule for that initial um, phase. This is not a hard and fast rule, but 
is something I think is worth sticking to. It's kind of like an 80-20 rule where 80% of the conversation they're talking, 20% you are. If you find yourself dominating the conversation, yeah, that's a problem. And I don't mean, like, there's sometimes it's just difficult, the person doesn't want to share, but you got to keep asking questions. If you're if you're dominating the conversation with you sharing things about yourself, then that's not moving in the direction that you want to be moving in. That's good. So um, I think there's a really important question that still needs to be asked in this stage before we move to the next one. I want to get to that in a second. But let me ask you this first. It's the first time you've met someone. You've done all the things we just described. How are you wrapping that conversation? What are you doing at the end in terms of giving it a you know, a, a positive kind of tie a, night, a nice bow on the end. Yeah. I think it depends on the conversation. Besides a really big hug. Right. Usually a hug. Usually, yeah. Sometimes yeah. I pick them up and just A little, kinda... like, forehead rub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the conversation because you've got to – this is where it takes, it takes some wisdom and feeling it out. Um, I've had conversations – in fact, two Sundays ago I had a conversation with a person for the first time where it really vibed – really well that I felt comfortable at the end. I asked him for his cell phone number and said, hey, I'd love to get together. I'd love to reach out. Um, and it, it was totally normal. It, it, it flowed well within the conversation. Now, a lot of times that's not going to happen. A lot of times you're setting yourself up for future engagements with them, future opportunities. So asking all those questions and learning details about their life gives you opportunity to the next time you meet to ask them again about some of the things that they're interested in. So I would say you've got to feel out the conversation and the relationship. Um, how long did it last? How open were they? Um, how, how much did you feel like you're connecting with them? And so that could lead an opportunity to inviting them. Maybe if you've got, if you've got plans that day or coming up, you can invite them over, invite them, invite their phone, cell phone number. Like that's the ultimate. Yeah. But it also could just be like, hey, it was really great meeting you guys yeah. looking that could be to too soon right could the be first too conversation soon. you got to yeah. have wisdom there and actually that was the that was kind of me that's that's great because that's like the final question this stage that you need to ask in some form is how can we connect beyond this moment yeah right what does that look like what makes sense for you and of course you got to have wisdom there it's, it's it's obviously best for men to be connecting with men and women to be connecting yeah. with women or couples to be connecting with couples but even just like as you learn more about their lives, it gives you more opportunities to say, oh, man, you guys, you take your kids to the park over here. We love that park. Maybe we could meet up sometime or you smoke yeah. meat. Maybe I could come live in your basement yep. and eat your food for the rest of my life. You know, just yeah. normal sort of things. Sometimes like it's throwing out a suggestion without actually making the commitment to oh, do that's it. Good. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is what, what you were just saying. Like a hug. Right. Hey, sometime we could hug each other. So, no, don't do that. That'll Sometime. weird them out. I can't think of a creepier way to end it. <laughs> hey, maybe next time we meet and talk, at the end, we'll hug each other. Um, yeah. So it takes a little bit of wisdom and feeling those situations out. Um, but I think those are th – that's a good rule of thumb is to suggest some sort of future connection without actually locking it in at that moment and just seeing how they respond. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So first stage, as you're getting to know people, these are some questions. And, and I know, like, I'm, I'm sure some people are listening going, oh, my goodness, what are they wasting our time with? This is so elementary. But the reality is, is a lot of people really struggle with having 
yeah. just starting conversations. Yep. And increasingly, we are uh, people who connect more through screens than in person. And so being able to do that. And, and then there's so much else to say, and we won't do it now, but in terms of um, body language and attentiveness and focus and, yeah. and, and even reading the room. And if their kids are screaming and running around, don't try to have a full-blown conversation with them. They're not going to be able to focus. Just try to help them in any way that you can. Yeah. You know, or find an opportunity to connect more later. Right. So, if this, so if, this, if you're listening to this and this seems like, yeah, duh, this makes sense. Um, y- this is stuff you need to be teaching to your leaders and the people that you're trying to help disciple because it's not it, it's not a uh, assumed skill that they right. will all have. So. And, and this stage is really moving from friendliness to friendship, right? Yep. Yeah, it's great to be friendly, but what? how are you moving towards actual gospel friendship with this individual? So that's some questions to ask in this like first stage of discipleship. In the second stage of discipleship, we're going to fast forward your friends, you've hung out outside of your initial meeting, you're starting to get to know each other, you're doing life together, and this person has already has some sort of faith in Christ or is developing or expressing faith yeah. in Christ. And now you're really trying to ask questions that help them grow in a spiritual, holistic way. Right. So they may not be fully there, but at least they're leaning into that. Yeah. They're showing an appetite yep. for growth, <coughs> and they're seeing you as someone who might be helpful in their journey. Yeah. Right. So give us some initial thoughts on what the how this conversation is maybe a little prog- how it's progressed from the first stage. Yeah. So here's what I would say is in the beginning they were the expert. Hmm. Now things are starting to shift as they're hopefully viewing you if you're discipling them as not the maybe expert is too strong of a word, but it's the dynamic is going to shift to where they're looking for you. They're looking to you for some spiritual guidance and wisdom, and so it shifts from them being the expert to more you being the expert now, and which means it changes the dynamic of questions that you're asking them um, and, and the things that you're engaging in. And so the other thing to note is, as the depth of relationship grows, so does the depth of questions that can be asked. Hmm. So initially things are are more surface and you're kind of feeling out like, oh, how comfortable are they? Um, you have to, and this is a mistake a lot of people make, is they never grow, they, their relationship grows and they're spending more time together and their friendship grows, but the level of spiritual depth in yeah. questions never grows. Mm-hmm. So it just stays surface level and they're missing an opportunity where that person would be open to and needs to go deeper, but they're not. So it sounds like there's two things we should avoid. One is coming out swinging with like these really deep questions that require them to be self-revealing in a way that is probably advanced beyond the relationship itself. Yeah, some of the stuff you asked me when we first met. (laughs) But then the other one, which is the one you were just describing, is letting the relationship flourish, but forgetting that as the relationship grows and as the trust builds, it creates more opportunity to ask questions that actually will help move that person forward in their spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and this is the phase where you have to be comfortable with asking uncomfortable questions. Mm. So now this is, again, this takes some finesse and some skill to learn how to do this. But um, I would say this is the phase where there's a cost potentially to the questions that you ask because you're when you're discipling someone, you're always risking, right? Like, are they going to reject what I'm saying or pushing them towards the gospel at the end of the day? Like, yeah. So I'll, I'll give an example. You're, you're, I won't use an actual person, but as you're 
discipling someone, you're building that relationship, you're spending more time with them, and maybe it, there's a moment where, let's say you're playing games and you see their reaction to something. Maybe you're playing basketball or something like that, and they they react in a really un, un-Christian-like way, and they're super angry, and whatever the situation is, right? Mm-hmm. And You can just use my name. So, yeah, so David, this is... He punched somebody last Sunday when we were playing basketball. This is a true story. So you see that, and then you're saying, you, the next time you're meeting, you're saying, hey, man, I want to I wanna ask you, like, I saw this happen. I know we've been talking about, like, what was going on? What was the, the deal with that, right? That's, that's, there's risk in asking that question. Sure. Because you're now going to another level where you're saying, hey, um, there's something here that I've seen that is not in line with where we've been trying to go. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a risk. They could be like, you know, screw you, I'm out of here, I can't believe you'd bring that up. None of your business. None of your business, whatever. But you're never going to go deeper spiritually if you're unwilling to ask those questions. I think maybe one of the ways that helps, obviously, again, it's the depth of the relationship, it's the trust, it's the connection, but even just um, being willing to talk about your own struggle in certain areas. That's right. Gives you that permission to ask. So if you've already shared, like, Hey man, if you would be praying for me, like I'm really struggling at work. This coworker X, Y, and Z is happening, and this is happening in my heart. I'm realizing that I'm struggling in this way because I'm forgetting um, this, this this aspect of what the gospel means to me. Right. So you've already kind of so you've yep. you've you've put yourself out there, which you know is important not just as a tool to get them to respond, but it's right. important because we need to be willing to confess our sins even to one another appropriately. Yep. But then also now maybe they'll go, oh, I don't have to protect myself and my reputation yeah. because this person's being real with me. I can be real That's with so them. That's so good. So when you say, when we said this phase, you're the expert, really what it means is you're the expert in your own brokenness, right? Yeah. Because that's what the gospel is. So you're not the, and this is the problem that a lot of Christians have, is they view themselves as the expert in all the do's and don'ts of Christianity. Right. When in reality, to your point, you're the expert actually in your own brokenness. Or even like, I'm the expert in the Bible, let me give you a Bible verse about right. what you're going through, which in our next um, episode, we're going to talk about in this stage of discipleship, what are the really the five buckets that we should be drawing from in conversation? It's going to be the, the whole next episode is going to be about conversations that can change someone's life versus yep. questions that can change someone's life. So just to kind of tease that out and make sure you come back to hear that, because it's important that we're not just like hammering people over the head with Bible verses that seem to fit their situation, but they're also sharing life experience, gospel counsel, and and transparency from our own lives. Yeah. So, so in the in this stage, here's a couple questions initially that I'm looking to ask in terms of things that are not overly threatening. Just and this might sound very simple for us, but how's your week going? Um, how is work? What's been frustrating? Uh, what's been exciting you? What are you enjoying? How's your relationship? And you know how how are you doing with your kids if they have kids? Um, how are you? How are you and the wife doing? Are you and the husband doing? So you're just trying to ask some still relatively normal questions, but questions that give them an opportunity to reveal how comfortable they are with you at this yeah. point, right? So you're kind of like throwing a net out there, saying, uh, "I'd love to know a little bit more about your life beyond the surface, but I don't want to like ask in an overly intrusive way." And yeah. I think it's important to be able to. And, and then, like, I had a conversation with a um, one of my daughters. Uh, friend's dad recently who just kind of, they know I'm a pastor, so they kind of look at me in a different way, and they'll have conversations with me that I think they wouldn't have with others, but he just was talking about some of the anger that he struggles with, and he, and he, I've never asked him 
are you an angry person or what are you struggling with? But I've walked with him, not even super close, but just consistently kind, yeah. helpful in any way that we can be. Um, and he finally just saw me stand there. He's like, I just need you to pray for me because of this situation. Mm. And now I know the next time I'm with him. So I actually followed up later and just shot him a message the next day that I'm praying for you specifically in this way. Yeah. Um, but the next conversation in the future, I, I can't necessarily make every conversation with him like that. But I know that there will be more opportunities um, yep. to help him. You know. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And depending on the person in the situation, again, depending on where they are on their faith journey, um, some of those questions are great. Even even a question like, "Hey, how are you feeling about your walk with the Lord right now?" If if they are in fact a, a kind of an, a Christian or yeah. a newer Christian, that'll reveal what they how they answer. And this is one of the goals that you should try to have in the questions you're asking is, what what are their answers revealing about what they're trusting in, treasuring, mm. loving? Because those are the things that are going to help you disciple them to a greater level of maturity. Yeah, and and it's a kind of like piggyback on what you were just saying, even to ask him questions like, what have you been learning recently about yourself, about God? Yeah. Um, what is, uh, what's an area in your life that you're looking back and, you're, and you can see that you've grown in the last six months? Yeah. Or if you look forward, what's a goal for yourself? What's something yep. that you want to grow in? And you're kind of like beginning to put the spiritual matters on the table, so to speak. You're introducing the idea of the importance of spiritual disciplines, and you're moving closer to really the type of questions you need to be asking at this stage eventually, which is heart-level questions, like you've already hinted at and kind of talked about. What are you, you know, when you got upset at the, on the basketball court, what was what provoked that? You yeah. know, oh well, he was being a jerk and it bothered me. Well, why did it bother you? Because I don't like being pushed around. Right. Well, why don't you like being pushed around? Yep. Because you know maybe he has a heart idol of respect or control or power. It could be so many different things. Mm -hmm. But you're trying to move them closer and closer to identifying the things they're trusting in more than Jesus, so that you then and this is so important. This shifts a little bit from question to conversation, which again we'll talk about in the next episode. You then can come at that with gospel truth. Right. And kind of the spirit will use your friendship and your discipleship to redirect the affections of their heart and study their hearts back in the gospel. You know, you don't have, you know, I know that power matters and I know that when we lose power, I can relate to that. I feel that frustration, too. And here's what I often I will do to kind of not put them on the hook, so to, so to speak, is when they reveal what's going on in their heart. Almost always I can identify because <laughs> I'm a human who has the same struggles. Right. So I'll say I, I get that. And here's something that I've learned that I have to believe in. So I'm not just saying, like, this is what you need to remember and believe. I'm saying this is what I need to remember and believe. Yep. And they're going to realize I need that too. Right? Yep. Yeah. A couple other little tips before we move on to the last one is, and this goes in line with what you said, is use we language, not you or I language. So you're including yourself in their reality, mm -hmm. you know, when you're giving them advice. So, yeah, one of the things we need to focus on, one of the things we need to do, it just little things like that can go a long way of saying we're in this together. Um, so, yeah, so that's the middle stage. Let's real quick, we'll jump to our kind of our final stage, um, the questions that can change a person's life. And this is the stage where now they are getting ready. Their their maturity has um, leveled up to a ratchet up to a point where they're ready to start engaging others and making disciples. Yeah. So you're starting to see now that replication. And um, so for you, David, what are some of the questions that you feel like are really important in this phase as we shift? I think one of the great questions to start with as, as they're moving into a stage where they're doing for others what has been done for them is to help them identify what helped you the most, right? So even as they're thinking, like, how can I help my friend? You don't have to start from ground zero, blank slate. Just 
reflect upon what helped you grow the most. Mm-hmm. And whatever the person who was discipling you did for you, now you can do it for them. Again, everything has to be personalized, contextualized. It has to work for the individual. So I think that's an important question to start with is what helped you grow and then how can you use that to how can you um, pass that on to others? Um, but another question I would just ask is like, is this addressing issue of consistency in that person's life? How consistently are you praying for them? How consistently are you connecting with them? You know, maybe through text or email. And then how consistently are you actually meeting with them? Because yeah. consistency is so important in, in this stage of raising up a disciple who will then go and make disciples. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, some other metric questions that are, are good to ask is um, as they're continuing, sometimes what can happen is we start to engage in, in the mission of making disciples, we can lose our own spiritual journey. So it's asking them, hey, how's your devotional life going? Um, who, who has God put in your life that you feel like he's called you to disciple? So ask, asking them like, hey, give me names. Like, who are these people? Because if they don't have, if like, ah, I'm not really sure, then that's a sign that they're not really engaging. And then to your point, some tangibles, right? Hey, how often, what's that relationship going? How's that relationship going? What are, what have you been doing? What are some of the conversations you're having? Tell me about that. Um, give them, it gives them opportunity to share wins, which you yeah. can celebrate. Yep. Or also share some challenges, which then you can speak into and, and kind of help them. And I think it's important at this stage of question asking to never drift too far away from continuing to ask them about how they're doing, right? Because, yeah, you, 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 you know, they, there's the old saying, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And if people are not abiding in Christ, John 15, then there's no fruit. There's nothing to give. And so even in the midst of all of this giving and disciple making, still circling back to some of the questions you were asking at the previous stage, which is um, what, how are you... How is the life of Christ growing in you in such a way that it's helping you give it away to others? Yeah. Right. And even at this level, too, I think you can be more attentive to some of the most important relationships in their lives, their marriage in particular. You know, how is that growing? How is that healthy? Because if you're discipling, if, you, if I'm discipling another husband, I need to be l- leading a home and, and um, nurturing a marriage that is worth giving to someone, you know, worth basically giving away. You know, we always talk about disciple makers being people who live a life worth sharing and then sharing it intentionally, generously, and lovingly. And so it really still, we have to kind of center back to that. And so um, in terms of like additional questions, though, about the way in which they're discipling others, eventually the idea is that they not just are doing one-on-one discipleship, but that they're beginning to pull these one-on-ones even into community. Yeah. So what does it look like to pull these people together, to share life together? How regular is that? What does that look like? How are you building community? So those are just some more yep. things at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The questions that can change a person's life. And so as you, um, as you move through those different phases, or if you're a leader who's overseeing leadership, Leaders are trying to equip people. These are some important things to help them walk through and think about um, as the relationship changes. So should the questions that they ask and their own disposition and how they view themselves in that relationship. So, all right. Well, before we close, we're going to get to our little portion we call David's Eats, where we're not only creating better leaders, but also better eaters. Now, um, I'm going to actually, I had one, but I'm going to save that for the next episode. Today, we're just going to go with the standard. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last two weeks? Well, as you as we were talking about earlier, we've been eating differently, so I haven't been eating carbs. But I found this, uh, I, I found something that I, I really enjoy, and um, it's very simple. I just get uh, I get some shrimp. Usually, it's already pre cooked, 
and I put like adobo seasoning on it, which is like a Mexican flavor sort of seasoning, and then just throw it in a pan with a little bit of oil. It's already cooked, so I don't have to cook it very long. And then I just throw a ton of cheese in there. <laughs> and then I just like mix it up and it becomes just like this cheesy shrimp thing. And then I eat it with a bunch of like spicy sauce, salsa, and it's low carb and it's pretty filling and I enjoy it. So, you know, you got to make do when you're not eating carbs. Wow. But I think that's probably my favorite thing I've eaten while I've been doing no cheesy carbs. shrimp, cheesy shrimp. I know cheese and seafood is not a classic combination, but it, it works. I love it. Hey, you put two thi- two great things together. Sometimes it creates even greater what could things. Go wrong? Nothing. <laughs> Ketchup and cereal. <laughs> All right, everybody. This is the Multiply Podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode.